You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. I had a conversation with somebody, and he was talking about some of the really impactful things he saw in the Bible, and he almost was to the point of, you know what, if that stuff was true, I might kind of lean toward believing stuff. And I thought, wow, how could that be? And the one he really went to was one of the stories of Moses. He had heard about this when he was little, and it's in Exodus. And I thought, that's it. I thought we'd read that one real quick. I just thought we'd relate to this because I want to show something that's just so powerful. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain. That Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterwards, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that God had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went to speak with him. Could you imagine 3,500 years ago, your spiritual leader goes up on a mountain, and there's thunder, there's lightning, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And he comes down with two tablets of sapphire with the law not just written on it, etched with the finger of God. And that your leader, his face just shines. Would you say, this is a pretty good day? You'd be awestruck. Wouldn't you? Let's go to, I don't know, 3,000 years ago. The, one of the greatest architectural, based on the word, structures ever made was the Temple of Solomon. So let's say it's a holiday and you go to the temple. You walk in and there's music, there's choirs, there's tile floors, there's beauty everywhere. And you just walk in there, and it's so lavish. And then you, then you go on in, and you hear the, the word of Moses being preached in the different porticos around there. And then you go a little bit further in, because it's a holiday, us men do. And we go in and see the labor. We see the, the priests in their robes and how ornate this is and you're standing there as the sacrifice is beginning and you're there you are in front of a curtain a veil and you know that right behind that veil the very place of God is right there and you'll only be there about 10 minutes but that'll carry with you for a whole year how incredible would that be 
And you just sit there and go, you think I live at the greatest time in the world. I think Jesus had a different story for us. If we look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm just going to go a couple of verses. It's, it's kind of within the context. Paul is answering the question of, by what recommendation, who are we to be preaching this? And so they really don't know, and he's trying to explain to them, what are my qualifications? Why can I speak like this? And so he says, you are our letter, meaning our letter of recommendation. You are. It's written in your hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets, but on human hearts. This is greater than the tablets. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. We don't stop at a veil. We have confidence toward God. Not that we're adequate, not in ourselves, to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. How... Paul wants you to see something here. Something really profound and dramatic has happened. Something really outstanding has occurred. It has happened. It is happening now. It's continual. He's looking at this and he's saying, not just our leaders, not just a few people, the select, the elite, all of our hearts are in transformation. Our demeanors shine for all to see. How many of us have ever been someplace, and you're walking through a store, and you go, that's a brother or sister in Christ? Yes, no. And you may not recognize this in your own self. You shine. You are light. Light dwells in you, and you shine. And sometimes, I'm the worst of this, I cover myself up because I don't want to shine. As I feel incomplete or weak. Do you realize we are actually the answer to the dreams of all the prophets? They looked at who we are in Christ. That Christ has actually come to us and has done the impossible, the miraculous, that, that stuns the world. We have stunned the world. But we be quiet about it sometimes. If you look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel's there saying, I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them, and I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of, or I'm sorry, yeah, take a heart, and give them a heart of flesh. When he says he wrote it on our heart, he's not writing it on a stone heart. He goes forward. Jeremiah 31. 
Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, but this covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord. I will put my law within them on their heart. I will write it. I will be their God and they shall be my people. God knows you as his people. He has actually reached in with his finger and touched your heart. You th- your salvation was no work of your own. Your salvation was almost not even your choice but you uh, agreed to. He reached in and touched your heart and wrote on it and changed your destiny. He wrote your destiny on his, your heart. Sometimes we can't read it. Some days there's so much going on, so much chaos, we miss the point. He's written that on our heart. Do you realize what Jeremiah, what Ezekiel, the great prophets are talking about is this generation right now that we have something that they found so profound, so unbelievable, that we're taking it so blasé. Christ has come and written his heart on our heart because his law is our heart. They actually use the word testimony as heart, as, as law, as the expression of God. It's actually the old law and the new law. We call it Old Testament and the New Testament. He brought something new to us. I just, I look at that and I go, we're not with a representative of some high priest. I get to act with boldness through Christ to move relationally to God. I need no intercessor other than Jesus Christ. I don't have to go to a high priest and have him then do something for me and then he sprinkles me with something and then goes, go on your way, now you can be. I don't go to someone and go, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been six months since my last one and now I'm holy again. I don't, I go directly to the source of the Father through Jesus Christ. I have been lifted up and raised in the heavenly places that I can go into the throne room and speak directly to Christ. I can overhear the counsel in the throne room so that I can hear him calling out and saying, who will go? And I can say, I will go. Just like we saw one of the prophets that do the exact same thing. We can be there with him if we just quiet ourselves and let him know that he's our God. And it's not from our adequacy. Our adequacy is imputed from God. And actually when the word here he says is the word manifest is almost a play on word because it says to shine light on is what manifest means. We are his light. We shine light everywhere we go. That we don't need a veil because we will shine light. We're blessed by because of Christ. I'm stunned sometimes when I really think about it because I go, that can't be me. I'm not worthy of that. 
I'm not holy enough. I'm just Chuck. I'm a car guy. And God says, no, 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 no. You're my son. You're my messenger. You're my beloved. And he's saying that to everyone here. He looks at the, right over here at this couple and he says, I, I brought love into you. And I, I will never let that separate you. And you are my children. He looks right at you. Same thing. We're, we're all different shapes and sizes and all different color of hair and some no hair. And he just loves us to death. He loves us when we're sick. He loves us when we're healthy. I got to ask a question then. If it's not about ability, what's it about? Which is more important, my ability or my availability? Have I made myself available? Am I really looking at this as being a servant of the New Testament, of the, of the New Covenant, I'm sorry. Do you hear what he, that, that's in the language. We are servants of the New Covenant. Do we have the servitude as, as one that washes feet? Do we really look at each person that's in this room and outside of this room and say, how can I lift that person up and be a servant to them? They may not, they may need a little bit of preaching, but you know what, 90% of the people don't need to be preached at, they need to be lifted. They need good news. I don't know about you, but Fox, I don't know. CNN, no. MSNB, uh, there's no good news anywhere. We are loaded with good news. We are the carriers of the good news. What is the new covenant then to you? I mean, the death and resurrection of Jesus, a whole new spiritual order was established. It rests on the forgiveness of sins, um, God's righteousness for all, and I've been given a new nature, a nature of obedience and joy. That is the new covenant. I would love to be the servant of the new covenant. A new spiritual order, a new age of forgiveness, a new place of absolute joy in the Lord. Absolutely. You know, if you, if you go a little bit further, in, actually, in uh, 2 Corinthians, it gets near the end, though. It, he writes, But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But when a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. For we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. You see, when, when the law came, there was a huge conflict. 3,000 people were killed. The law is not a law of life. But when the Spirit came, 3,000 people were made alive. We have to come in with that, law, that new spirit of life. From glory to glory as we move toward the image of God. This is not something we're going to wait for when we die. This is not hope delayed. This is a process that we have engaged in right now. 
that the end time has been inaugurated, it's initiated, it is now. We're in that process. We have now become the warriors in Christ. We have become now the message of the new covenant. Something in us is more profound than we ever dream it can be. I, sometimes I, I look and I go, it can't be. I feel like I'm being arrogant. It's not me. The Holy Spirit is what's doing this. The Holy Spirit has qualified each and every single person. You know what? You can go with all the doctorates of theology and this doctor. Don't get me wrong. Getting an education is great. But your qualifications come from I believe. The Holy Spirit falls on you and he teaches you all things. Because he took the veil off. Now when you read the Word of God, it's alive. It's called a living Word. It's got life breathed in it. And He sends to you your message. And it's an ongoing process because today you don't know what you're going to know next year. And if your belief system hasn't shifted at all over, over the course of time a little bit, and I'm not talking about fundamental belief. I'm talking about if you haven't been exposed to something and go, wow, I didn't know that. It happens all the time. How many times have you just read John 1 that you've read 30 times? And all of a sudden, see, what? I missed that altogether. Why does this get me? I'm, I've read this uh, chapter, I don't know how many times. I never heard that I was a servant of the new covenant. It hit me like when I had that conversation, that's when it hit me. Because I knew, oh, hold on, i got a spot here. You know, Chuck's supposed to teach. And so I ran over to that spot. And I read that and I went, I'm a servant of the New Testament. I've been designated to proclaim the New Testament. I find this just, I don't know. I'm sitting there looking at this, I go, the Spirit of Christ is God. I just, here's what I wrote down. Who pervades and energizes the new covenant of which we are servants. And the ministry of the Spirit is with glory. And the Spirit liberates us and transforms us from glory to glory into the very image of the Lord. You know, it's not too... Don't think it's too profound or too arrogant to say, I want to become more and more in the image of Christ. That was his law to us. That was his command to us. That's why we have spiritual disciplines. That's why we engage in a relationship so intense is to be touched like this. Many of you came up this morning to be touched with the, by the Lord. You just wanted to touch. He, he, didn't, he wants to touch you right in your heart and say, this is what my heart feels for you. You know, as we expand and, and flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, our gift is to ma magnify and glorify God so much more. It actually is when we walk in the gifts, we shrink because the glory of God is so profound in our presence that when 
you speak a healing on someone and they walk away and they're going to tell everybody, some guy prayed for me and God healed me. Strive to be some guy or gal. We don't need to have everyone go, well, that was Mike Jessup prayed for me, and now I'm healed, and imply that Mike Jessup healed. That's not what he wants to have ever happen. He wants to see God so glorified, you know, and remember his name. The only name that's on your lips is Jesus Christ is Lord. Then you have been released into the Spirit of the God. This is a, it's a bold world we live in. We're living actually in the greatest times on earth. We could not have been placed at a better time. I don't want to stand at the veil and say, Godly, I know where God lives. I want to stand in the very presence of God and say, the God that loves me and created me dwells within me and leads me and guides me and shines through me and uses me as his vessel. How great is that? You know that, do you know what was actually on the veil? There was a picture on the veil of a seraphim. So when Christ rose from the dead and tore the veil, he also tore the seraphim. Possibly one carrying a shining knife or, or sword, blocking you from the tree of life. When he tore that veil, he brought you into the tree of life. He brought you back into his covenant. He brought you into this newness. So Jesus had a mission. And he had a mission statement. And we miss that sometimes because we think that that's about him. He was actually preparing you and I for that very mission, the same mission statement he, he made. We saw Jesus get baptized, and we saw him go into the desert. And for 40 days he fasted and prayed. And near the end of that, the devil came and tempted him. He went from there and goes to the temple and is asked to read. And that's where he gives his mission statement and proclaims, really, our mission statement as servants of the New Testament. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want you to say these out loud if you can. Yeah, good. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's in you and upon you. You have been anointed and gifted to carry out this mission. Do you have the ability? No, God does. He's going to use you. He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's talking about both physical and spiritual here. He has sent me to proclaim release to the, to the captives and recover sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's us. We're releasing. We're freeing. We're giving sight. We're healing physically and spiritually. We're moving into the souls. We're moving into spirit. We're moving into bodies. We are changing the complexion of the whole world. We overlook how far our culture has already been built on Christianity and it's being broken down. And we say, yeah, what a terrible time to live. 
We are right at the edge of where we need to be because we can make changes in, our, in lives. We can make changes in our families. I just went to a 70th year anniversary of my parents. My sister and I have been trying to get, we've been talking to my dad and talking to my dad. Finally, he said, Dad, have a toast. He stood up and said to, to my three brothers and three sisters and our wives, get close to God was his message. And then get close to each other. But first get close to God. 93 years old and he waited till 93 years old to find peace. When, you know, I'm 63. I waited a long time before I waited. Why? Stop waiting. Engage and enjoy this. This is what we're meant for. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Christ is come. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. But in the meantime, Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and he is crashing into our lives every day. He's moving in us and with us. And he's expecting his children to rise up with him and be his, his brothers and sisters with the same Father. He says, I'm going to be the first of many brothers. I mean, accept your anointing. That's a hard... Do you have a grumbling sometimes that... <coughs> excuse me. Oh, that went over well. <coughs> do you ever have it where you know you should have spoken and the moment slides away? I want, to understand, I want you to understand something. God is not disappointed in you. He's disappointed for you. Because he knows the joy that would have been in your heart and their heart had you spoken. It's like if, if, uh, if you're playing sports and you're in the end zone and you drop the touchdown. You're, as parents, you're not disappointed in your child. You're disappointed for him. You want him to spike it and go, yes. You're, you hurt because he hurt. That's what happens. So don't think you're disappointing God. You're missing an opportunity of absolute joy. Speak to people. Say hello to people in the lines. You are light. You already shine. Don't put the veil on. The last thing the Lord wants to see is all of his children walking around with veils over their face. He wants to see them beaming with the joy that is in us because of him. He wants us to represent him. Not talk about him. You know, I was really good about talking about him for years. I had no clue who I was talking about. I was about as close to him as I was Michael Jordan when we talked about basketball. I understand him now. He speaks with us. He loves time with us. We're in relationship with him. We are on the other side of that big curtain. And he just got his arms around you. Don't miss this opportunity. Servants of the new covenant. You know, the new covenant was inaugurated at the Last Supper. Jesus broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take this. This is my body. Then he took the cup. It's called the cup of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. And he told them this is a new covenant eternal covenant, never to be broken. Take and drink 
of this. Ingest this. Take it inside of you. Make it yours. Today, we save the, our communion for the end. But don't just take communion and shoot out. We're going st- to linger. What's, there's a song that has the word, we're going to tarry there. He walks with me, talks with me, I'm going to tarry there. We're going to linger with that. Those of you that take communion together with different people, the families and stuff, let's, let's pray with each other. And let's be praying for each other. How can we release the new covenant both in ourselves and in others? How can everywhere we walk, the presence of the Father walk with us that's manifested, that shines? How can we be a game changer just with a simple hello? A simple, can I help you with that? Something as little as that changes people. I know it does me. Did, did you drop that? How many times has that ever happened? <laughs> you dropped $5, sir. Yeah. It just happened to me in a restaurant. Someone did that. I was, I was like dumbfounded. You know, there's so much joy that we overlook. There's so much joy that we have. We, we, we wrap our joy up in what we own and what we have and what we did and who we put our identity on our job. We put our identity on how many kids we have and what our, you know, hey, what, what do you do? I'm a grandma. Or we put, our, we put our sickness as our identity. I'm the diabetic. I'm the cancer patient. I am. The great I am in us that dwells in us says no to that. The, the, the great I am that always was always is, always will be. The power of the Jesus. So let us, when we take communion, everyone in this room is invited to communion. If you think for one moment you're not worthy to take communion today, give a prayer first, then then come up the center aisle. Use that whole place. If you want to go out there, use that. Everywhere in here. If you want to sit in a corner, got kneelers, find time to engage. Give prayer time. And sometimes your best prayers are silence. Let the Lord just speak to you. Allow yourself to engage in His presence. After that, we're going to have a little prayer and then we're going to do some ministry time. I know that some of you were hesitant to move forward during praise that wanted a touch from God. When we get done, you can raise your hand and we'll, we'll come to you. You don't have to be in front of anybody. You don't have to feel like, I'm the guy that's all messed up. I've got to get a touch from God. Because we're all messed up and we all need a touch from God. So let's engage in that. And that's the reason I made this short. So let's close in a prayer real quick before we have communion. Father, we're just, we're just stunned. We're so stunned by how profound this is, we're almost stuck in inertia that we can't hardly move. And then we ask you, Lord, give us a little boot and get us moving. Allow us to see that we're adequate in your eyes, that we're adequate to spread your word. We're adequate as teachers. We're adequate to show the glory of God just by being us in you. We thank you, Jesus. As we take the elements of communion, we take your body, represented by the cracker. 
we take the juice that represents your blood. We're looking at the life that is in us, that permeates us and moves from us to others. We just thank you, Jesus, with We just don't understand how you can even have done this for us. But we just give you thanks for doing it. And we ask that as each and every day, we continue to move closer and closer into your image, that we take on your family resemblance, that people say, oh yeah, must be Jesus' kids. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.